0: It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this another hot Thursday before things start to break a little bit temperature wise, we hope anyway. Susan Littlefield along with Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan as we highlight some of the things that we're gonna be talking about over the next couple hours and let's start with the farm team and Susan. Hi Susan.
1: Well, hello, and hopefully everybody is staying hydrated today. Is it? uh, Definitely, is a warm up.
0: Oh my goodness, it 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 is. We're getting acclimatized to it. When it drops to 80, we're going to need our parkas and uh, mucklucks on. I think.
1: Yeah, I I would take 80 any day.
0: Absolutely, I agree with you. What do you got for us today, Susan?
1: Well Clay's gonna step in here at twelve nineteen as he spoke yesterday, filling in for me on the Fontenelle final Bell with Arlen Suderman's So reaction to the feds. It's an interesting conversation. If you missed it yesterday, you'll get to hear a bit more of it today at twelve nineteen. Then I'll step in at twelve forty-five as we talk about sustainability in agriculture. Hearing from Representative Abigail Spamberger. She talks about funding and different programs and things that are needed for those in agriculture. And then Bryce will wrap up everything at one seventeen as We'll hear from the NDA director, Steve Wellman, on some upcoming events from the Department of Agriculture. So on Thursday, that's all from us.
0: All right. Thank you, Susan. Uh, Stay hydrated yourself. (laughs) All right. Let's turn it over to Jason Jorgensen and talk a little bit. Nice award for Spencer Schwellenbach yesterday. Yeah, picks up an uh, All-American award and
2: well-deserved after having himself quite a season for the Huskers. If you're wondering, the CWS starts up on Saturday in Omaha. That figures to be a Hot day in the big O. Speaking of uh, being hydrated, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See how that it's, all works. Yeah. Also, the Big Red Blitz made its way across the state. Nebraska Athletics with a little bit of outreach, especially to central and western Nebraska. Scott Frost with a rare appearance yesterday in Kearney, and we'll let you hear what he had to say about the uh, status of Husker football and where things are at.
0: He's a pretty confident guy. Pretty confident. If always has else. been.
2: Always will be.
0: Has to be, I mean, has to be, but
2: we'll see. Can always hope. We can. Also, uh, congratulations to the Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> Did they make it? They tied it. They lost again last night. So they uh, have—they've have not won a road game since April 25th. That is brutal. Is that what is it? 22? It's 21. So 21 they tied 20. it. They tied it last night, 21 in a row. Now, the Royals have their own issues. They've dropped 10 of 11. They may they 11. fall into a crater. They've only dropped six in a row, but the Diamondbacks dropped 12 in a row overall. 21 in a row. Yeesh. Well, we got
0: something to root for, I guess.
2: I want to feel sorry for someone this summer. feel sorry for the announcers of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Trying to spin that, find a new storyline every night. Especially That's in tough. baseball.
0: Yeah. Oh. All right. Thank you, Jason. Right. Thank you. it over to Bob Brogan. Uh, let's see. Numbers down a little bit today in the Dow.
3: Well, stocks are mixed, mostly lower. Investors are continuing to interpret the new guidance from the uh, Fed, which is uh, now looking at potentially raising interest rates as soon as 2023. 20, Meanwhile, the number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits rose last week for the first time since April, and Scotch Whiskey Maker, are breathing a sigh of relief after the U.S. agreed to suspend tariffs on one of Scotland's main exports. And of course, that's uh, single malt scotch whiskey.
0: Big sigh of relief here, that's for sure.
3: There is one in this room, too.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Let's uh, turn it over to Clay. Clay?
4: This is Alex Wojcicki with the Rural Radio Network. Join me every other Thursday for the Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. We hear from entrepreneurs from across the state to learn about their businesses, but more importantly, we learn about their journeys and how they got to where they are today. Interested in entrepreneurship? Join us to learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln every other Thursday at 1219 right here on 880-KRVN. And if you missed the program, you can listen to the podcast at ruralradio.com.
0: time for us to check in on our weather and see how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. we got Paul Perkins in here right now and looking at some scorching temperatures around. Holy cow.
5: Yes, we've already hit the triple-digit mark in Oberlin, Kansas. The temperature right now sitting at 100, but luckily they're two-point, not too bad, at 59 degrees.
0: You know, that was one of the things I think we saw yesterday is the... Uh, we were worried about heat indexes, but the the humidity dropped enough that it wasn't as big of a deal that way.
5: Yeah, right now, most of our dew points currently in the low to mid-60s, and we are seeing some of those higher heat index readings on into eastern Nebraska, such as in Lincoln and Omaha, at about 94 to 98. 98, the top heat index reading right now in the Omaha area, of course, a little bit closer to that Missouri River where the dew points set 67, but most of us in the low to mid-60s, and over western Kansas, those dew points in the mid to upper 50s, uh, where we are seeing those t- temperatures on into the upper 90s, too, right around 100.
0: Mm, okay. All right. Well, the good news is, least it looks like we've got a break in the horizon.
5: Yeah. One more day of this triple digit heat. Yesterday, we got up to 107 in Ogallala. In case you were thinking that was vying for the nation's high, no. Uh, the nation's high yesterday was 125 at Death Valley and Stovepipe Wells, California, both of those in Southern California. Yes. Uh, both. Towns appropriately named there. They really are. <laughs> Death Valley Stovepipe Wells. And
0: they, I've been through Death Valley. I'm not sure where Stovepipe Wells is, but I've been through Death Valley, and it is completely appropriate.
5: Wow, but yeah, 125 degrees. And Oberlin, you can have a little feather in your hat. It's 100 on your temperature right now. It's 100 also in the Phoenix area. So you're you are tied with Phoenix, Arizona, for the current temperature.
0: I don't I don't know if I'm happy for you or not,
5: Oberlin. <laughs> exactly. Most 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 of us with temperatures right now in the mid to upper 80s. We are seeing some low 90s though from Grand Island on into eastern Nebraska and much of northern Kansas in those mid to upper 90s, some low to mid 90s on into northeast Colorado and most of the heat index ratings on into the low to mid 90s in eastern Nebraska. The rest of us still with some heat index or feels like ratings on into the mid to upper 80s. Today, one more day of triple digit heat with a ridge of high pressure maintaining its firm grip. With the heat and humidity, making it feel like it's around around 105 to 109, so do make sure you drink plenty of water and take frequent breaks. The high-pressure bridge giving way to a cold front tonight with some scattered thunderstorms of a possibility. Any of the rain amounts, though, are going to be on the light side. Severe weather expected to be from Iowa to Wisconsin, so we don't have to worry about that. Slight thunderstorm chances continue. The central and east part of Nebraska and Kansas for tomorrow as that front stalls right near the Nebraska-Kansas border. Temperatures for tomorrow through the weekend. Still about 5 to 10 degrees warmer than normal. Scattered thunderstorms also a possibility for Saturday night with the strong disturbance dropping southeast and then again Sunday night with the cold front. A couple of periods that we need to probably watch for the possibility of some severe weather. Our temperatures Monday and Tuesday slightly cooler than average before we warm back up to slightly above average by next Wednesday. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be slightly warmer than normal Tuesday through the last day of this month In some positive news for rain chances. Rainfall Tuesday through June 30th, expected to be near normal to slightly above normal. Checking the regional drought monitor, Nebraska dropped 11 percentage points to 44% drought free. It's abnormally dry to a moderate drought in the Panhandle. And along an east of a line from Valentine to Broken Bow, York and Fairbury, severe drought continues in extreme northeast Nebraska from Boyd to Cedar County. Kansas remains in very good shape, only dropped the percentage points to 96 percent drought-free. Just some small areas of abnormal dryness in the northeast around Brown County, the south-central in Harper County, and southeast around Wilson County. Key weather factors affecting the markets include periods of rain moving through the Corn Belt and a developing heat wave for the Black Sea region. For the Midwest, much of the western and northern areas remain in drought that worsened this week. The next couple of days will bring isolated to scattered rain. Sunday and Monday, bringing a better chance of widespread rain, but some areas of the Midwest may be missed. Midwest temperatures falling below normal next week will help to ease the stress across the areas of drought. The northern plains will slowly cool toward below normal this weekend, but with almost no rain. Scattered rain expected this weekend for the northern plains, but amounts will be light and drought stress not reduced. The southern plains will see some isolated rain the next couple of days with a better chance of beneficial moisture in some lucky areas this weekend into early next week. Sea region of Ukraine and southwest Russia benefiting from widespread rain the next couple of days. Drier and hot Weather taking over this weekend into next week, with triple-digit readings possible in South Russia. If that heat persists, topsoils soils may dry out and affect the developing spring wheat and corn.
0: Okay. Well, it's rough to look at the drought monitor right now, that's yeah, for sure.
5: Especially in Nebraska. Luckily, it's not overly dry, um, abnormally dry to a moderate drought in Nebraska. Most of us with an abnormal dryness. That's confined basically to the panhandle and into much of north central and eastern Nebraska. Okay.
0: All right. We'll keep an eye on it. Thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on
5: your weather? Weather page, krvn.com. Krvn.com. <laughs> Clay on the World Radio Network yesterday. The Federal Reserve saying it's slowly thinking about raising interest rates, but not for the next two years. Still, the market has had a very negative reaction to that to gain more insight into why the market is reacting so negatively. I take us back to yesterday's Fontenelle final bell with Arlen Suderman, chief economist for Stone StoneX.
6: The market likes easy money supply. I mean, it's easy money that got us here, and in both the economy and the markets have become addicted to this easy money. Let's put this into perspective. The Fed has essentially been creating $120 billion per month and sticking that into the economy. Essentially, it's printing $120 billion, but it's not like we run into printing presses and doing it. They're creating it electronically, essentially, in order to buy our nation's debt. It's around $2.5 trillion per year. That's a strong pace to be throwing money into the economy. We've increased money supply by about $4.3 trillion since the beginning of the pandemic. So that's a huge increase in money supply. And the concern is that if the Fed doesn't pull back soon enough and in the right way, we could get hyperinflation like we had four decades ago during the Paul Volcker era where we had to push the prime rate above 20%. Nobody wants to see that. That can really shut down an economy. Can the Fed do it is the key question. And will they be in time when they do it so that it doesn't get out of hand when they have to take much more drastic action? The answer to that question is, we don't know because we've never been faced with this situation before. Never before has the Fed created a situation that they would have in order to try to unwind what they've done like they have now so today's fed well actually the last two days the fed has been meeting and discussing things at the last meeting six weeks ago there was no mention of tapering in the press conference that came was 30 minutes later um, Fed Chair Jerome Powell has talked about it. He said, we haven't even started talking about talking about tapering yet. But when the minutes of the meeting came out a couple of weeks later, a few weeks later, it did indicate that they had talked about when they might start to taper. Today's material that came out from the Fed meeting, today's statement, and some of the materials came out with it, indicated that by the end of 2023, they see the interest rates, their key benchmark short-term interest rate going up to about six-tenths of a percent. That would be earlier and more aggressive than what they were suggesting back in their March meeting. The market has immediately reacted. We saw the dollar shoot higher. Why? Because higher interest rates in light of negative rates in Japan and Europe – mean more foreign investors want to get involved in our markets, and they need dollars to do that. So demand for dollars goes up. So the dollar immediately shot up to its highest level that it's been since about the 6th of May, six-week high. The VIX, which is Wall Street's fear index, also went up, trading to its highest levels that it's been, over the last two weeks or so. We're seeing the stock market go down, the dollar go up, the fear index go up. That tends to be negative for the grain and oil seeds.
5: And again, as is Arlen Suderman, Chief Ag Economist for StoneX. If you would like to hear more of Arlen's comments as it relates to the weather market and more on the ag commodities, check out yesterday's Fontenelle final bell on the podcast tab as well as an ag story at ruralradionetwork.com.
0: For us to check in on Midday Sports, Jason Jorgensen in here with us again, and uh, it, it, Big Red Blitz going across the state of Nebraska yesterday. Yeah, there was a little bit of
2: outreach going on from NU Athletics. Head coach Scott Frost made a rare appearance in Kearney. This year's roster features two quarterbacks on the roster from Kearney and Matt Masker and Heinrich Harburg, and Frost says you just never know where players will come from. I tell the guys we recruit, Marcus Mariota was two-star and had a couple offers only, and and I was there when we recruited Mackenzie Melton to UCF, and he had two offers. And I was there when we recruited Justin Herbert, and he had one 1AA one offer. So I think particularly at that position, uh, you got to go out and, and hunt through everybody to find the guys you want. Sometimes you find them in places like Kearney, Nebraska. Coach Frasco, going old school a little bit yesterday, also mentioning how uh, he thought about it on his way back home stopping through Wood River at the K-season, you know, getting himself a <laughs> candy bar and a pop not back yes. of that. Can you imagine can you imagine if he were to walk into the the, the Casey's Woodri- in Wood River? I mean, <laughs>
0: Just the life take, would stop. It <laughs> would. Everybody would be all of a sudden Casey's.
2: I mean, and everybody would be on their phone, yep. and within minutes, everybody would yeah. be there. The Nebraska High School Finals Rodeo started up today in Hastings. Talk about a hot day. Over hmm. 150 high school rodeo athletes will compete in 13 different events. Top four competitors in each event at the state level will earn a berth to the National High School finals rodeo, which happens to be in Lincoln next month. First go-around took place this morning at 10 and again at 6 tonight. Minden High School is once again hosting the New West All-Star Volleyball and Basketball Games this week that help benefit the Nebraska Kidney Foundation. Volleyball matches tonight featured the Southwest Conference versus the Loop Platt at 6 in the Menden High School gym. while the Fort Carney Conference plays the Republican Plains Conference at 6 in the CL Jones Gymnasium. Now championship and third place matches will follow the basketball games are set for tomorrow. And the Arizona Diamondbacks... Tied a Major League record with their 22nd consecutive loss as Buster Posey hit a three-run home run at the first as the Giants trounced Arizona 13-7. to Talk about a sad summer. Uh, this is their 13th consecutive loss overall. As I mentioned last hour, Arizona has not won a road game since April 25th.
0: Well, you and I have both been there. We've seen some bad baseball over the years with our teams, but this this is rough. This is rough. It
2: is. Oof. I mean, you wonder how bad this is going to be. It's it's, it's bad now, it's but June. but yeah. I mean, those are big league players being paid millions of dollars and unable to win on the road.
0: Mm. It's, it's uh, that's the stat. It's different. That's <laughs> interesting. You know, yep. you don't think of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Also, the U.S. Open tried to start this morning. Things delayed a little bit uh, due to the June gloom. Uh, yep. The marine layer Mm -hmm. is in effect in San Diego. So uh, they hope maybe they can get everything completed with the first round tomorrow morning. That is a look at sports. For more, you can find it anytime at krvn.com.
0: All right. Thanks, Jason.
4: Testimony began Wednesday in the Furnace County District Court jury trial of 57-year-old William Billy Quinn. The Oxford man faces 14 felony counts in a child sex trafficking investigation. In his opening statement, Furnace County attorney Morgan Farquhar outlined a series of events in early 2019 when Quinn groomed the alleged victim in the case through social media, texts, and calls while she lived out of state. He lured her to Furness County on the premise of a job for her at Oxford Cafe. Shortly before the girl reached age 16, Farquhar said Quinn moved her into a house he recently purchased in Oxford.
7: That's when Quinn began paying for her cell phone, providing her food and shelter, and most importantly, selling her for sex and using her for sex.
4: Later in the day, the girl was called to testify in the case. Special Prosecutor Sandra Allen walked the girl through testimony of sexual encounters with Quinn and numerous other men. Many times, Quinn would allegedly have sex with her after encounters with other men, she testified. A new monthly survey of bankers suggests strong growth continues across rural parts of 10 Plains and western states. The overall Rural Main Street Economic Index slipped into 70 June from May's record high of 78.8, but it remained in positive territory above 50 Creighton University's economist Ernie Goss says the number of non-farm jobs across the region remains 2% below where it was before the pandemic began. But three states, Kansas, Missouri, and Nebraska, reported employment levels above where they were before the virus emerged last year. Bakers from Colorado, Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, South Dakota, and North Dakota, and Wyoming were surveyed. For the second time in a week, Omaha police have reported the self-inflicted gunshot death of a suspect officers were pursuing. Police say in a news release that the latest death happened Wednesday night after officers were called for a domestic disturbance at an Elkhorn community apartment. Arriving officers met a man suspected in the disturbance in the apartment complex parking lot where officers say he fired at least one round from a rifle at police before he turned the gun on himself. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Police did not immediately give his name. No officers were injured in the shooting. The incident came after the June 10th self-inflicted gun death of another man who was being chased by Omaha officers. Enrollment is open for Nebraska Game and Parks Fields and Water Program. John Locks shares more about the program.
5: The Open Fields and Waters Program, or OFW, is a voluntary program that helps bridge that gap. It's a great opportunity for landowners to earn extra income on their land and also provides more places for our outdoorsmen and women to
7: hunt and fish.
4: If you would like to enroll in this program, visit the Nebraska Game and Parks website at outdoornebraska.org. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. The
1: FNBO's Fridays in the Field is underway. Be listening for farm broadcasters all across the state of Nebraska to feature different farmers as they work to grow this 2021 crop.
0: This is Chad Moyer, and for Fridays in the Field from Northeast Nebraska, we'll be following organic farmer Aaron Zimmerman. He raises corn, beans, and food-grade field peas, uses various types of livestock manure as fertilizer, and also has a field drain tile installation business. Listen for updates from Pierce, Nebraska, on this year's Fridays in the Field.
1: Hi, this is Susan Littlefield. We'll be headed south of the Platte River into Polk County, where I'll catch up with Jim Kamraff. It's a multi-generational opportunity to learn how sometimes being a smaller size farm brings some big ideas in raising crops. Tune in every Friday afternoon and on our social media pages as well for the FNBO's Great Big Small Bank Fridays in the Field. Sustainability in agriculture. And are we doing a good job? That was a question brought up during a AgriPulse Sustainability and Agriculture webinar. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Representative Abigail Spanberger, who is on the chair of the House Ag Subcommittee's Conservation and Forestry, was asked that question. How are farmers doing living up to expectations from companies and success in sustainability?
8: Well, I think this is an interesting question because uh, as we've seen a greater understanding of conservation practices and uh, you know really proactive efforts that farmers and producers have been using on their farms, there has been this conversation, Sarah, where it's, well, are we doing enough of it? Um, and, and I recognize that that question's being asked, but I think that it doesn't give us enough space to talk about all of the fantastic practices that farmers have already embraced. Um, On-farm conservation, natural carbon sequestration practices, um, much of what um, Mitchell was discussing in his introduction. Um, But I think that we need to be earnest about the fact that one of the largest obstacles that face so many farmers in their path towards embracing some of these practices um, are on-farm technical assistance um, and co- cost of entry to change in some circumstances, you know, practices that a family might've been employing on a farm for generations. Um, and, and really ensuring that there's that technical assistance, that there's uh, guidance available is incredibly, incredibly important. But I know from the hearings that we've held from all of our discussions that if you're looking at changing the practices or the, literally the way you do business on your family farm, uh, there is no room for error in that. And so I think that for all of those who are saying, well, you know, is is agriculture doing enough? I think that there needs to be a recognition that agriculture is doing incredible things in the larger community and certainly the Department of Ag uh, and Congress should be supportive in that. And so, uh, you know, among the things that I've done to help encourage Uh, adoption of voluntary practices and practices that will be profitable on farms um, is I I led an effort to call for an increase in funding to NRCS's Conservation Technical Assistance, the CTA program, um, for uh, putting it, proposing putting it at 1.2 billion for fiscal year 2022. Um, in addition a separate piece of legislation that I'm uh, carrying the Climate Stewardship Act would put significantly greater funding into the CTA um, as well as existing voluntary conservation programs like EQIP and CSP because those are currently severely oversubscribed there are many people who want to join these programs uh, but there's just not yet enough funding to meet that demand so the exciting thing is the producers are there uh, but we need to continue uh, to ensure that they can make the transition that they want and are making. Um, uh, and, and that comes with technical assistance and with support for conservation programs.
1: So many are wondering, will there be some sort of increased funding to help establish this and continue the process?
8: So certainly this is a, a hot topic of discussion uh, because current, and in, in the, the, the basic answer is yes, I'm very hopeful uh, that we will see additional funding Um, because we know that the current funding levels for the conservation title um, absolutely do not yet meet the scale of the the challenge posed, the scale of interest. Um, And so the the one bill that I mentioned, the Climate Stewardship Act, uh, as an example, responds to this concern by creating a real framework for how to increase federal investments in conservation, um, particularly climate stewardship, um, and, and does so by recognizing that there are programs with proven track records of of success that spur economic growth that provide great resources to the producers who want to implement these programs uh, but there certainly just are not yet um uh, there are far more producers who want to be involved in these programs um than there are dollars available to to finance them so at this point we're seeing a change in the conversation in the tide of the conversation so i am uh quite hopeful and certainly it's something um, that that I have advocated for, and then just notably, I also led a letter um, focused on infrastructure. Um, you know, as we're talking about what are the next steps that that Congress takes related to infrastructure, um, and I, I led an effort calling for 200 billion dollars in an investment related to agricultural-related infrastructure, um, and and we had support on the House side, um, and also uh, uh, members of the Senate led in a. a a a letter and an effort right alongside us in the house. So there's a a churn and excitement. um, And so we're continuing to push for it. But, um, you know, I think the more that we continue to raise and make known the value of these programs, the more we hear and get the voices of producers out there talking about how valuable they are, Um, the more that individuals who are really focused on on climate change and the climate crisis recognize the value of these programs. Um, and, you know, from a larger economic standpoint, the real value that, you know, in in our in the Commonwealth of Virginia that agriculture brings uh, to our state.
1: Those comments coming in from Representative Abigail Spanberger. She again is the chair of the House Ag Committee's Subcommittee on Conservation and Forestry. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network.
5: From the Fox Sports
3: With the Business Report for this Thursday on Bob Brogan stocks are mixed mostly lower on Wall Street as investors continue to interpret new guidance from the Federal Reserve, which is now looking at potentially raising interest rates as soon as 2023. The S&P five hundred index was down less than one-tenth of a percent in early trading. The Dow Jones industrial average was down three-tenths of a percent. And the NASDAQ composite was up three tenths of a percent. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits rose last week for the first time since April, despite widespread evidence that the economy and the job market are rebounding steadily from the pandemic recession. Jobless claims rose 37,000 from the week before. Economist Ann Elizabeth Conkle. With Indeed Hiring Lab says the rise in the number of Americans applying for unemployment after six weeks of of declines is not yet a cause for concern.
8: I think the story is just going to be that labor market recovery is not an off and on switch. That we may see these labor market frictions of employer demand um, and what job seekers are comfortable doing. I think that's going to continue.
3: Ford's outlook for the second quarter is improving as the automaker is seeing strong customer reservations for four of its new vehicles. Ford Motor Company now anticipates its quarterly adjusted earnings before interest and taxes to top its expectations and be significantly better than the year-ago period. The Supreme Court has dismissed a challenge to the Obama-era health care law, preserving insurance coverage for millions of Americans The justices left the entire law intact today in ruling that Texas, other Republican led states, and two individuals had no right to bring their lawsuit in federal court. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan.
6: From Kansas State.
7: I'm Bryce Duska, joining you now inside the Nebraska Soybean War Studio in Lincoln. Today, we're pleased to be joined by the director of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture, Steve Wellman. Director Wellman, good to see you. Good to see you, Bryce. Well, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the fact that Nebraska is hosting the Midwest Association of State Departments of Agriculture Annual Meeting in Lincoln, that's MAZDA for short. That event coming up June 21st through the 23rd. Tell me a little bit more about your role. You serve as president this year and what that organization does. Yes, I am serving as president of MAZDA, the Midwest Association of State Departments of Agriculture. And so we have a national association, the National Association of State Departments of Ag. Uh, and then there's four regions, and the Midwest region includes North Dakota, south to Oklahoma, and east over to Ohio. So there's 13 states total, and uh, we're hosting them for our annual meeting and June 22nd through the 23rd, like you mentioned. So we uh, we hope to get, of course, the, uh, the Directors of Agriculture, commissioners, secretaries, whatever, everybody has a little bit different title there, but have them in attendance. So we are offering a virtual uh, meeting at, uh, uh, option also which some of the uh, directors are taking us up on that offer. And then, of course, their staff can attend, and we have a lot of great sponsors that help pull this off, and they can attend also, or anybody else that uh, wants to register and attend. We have a, I think we have a really great schedule lined up. We start Monday evening with a get-together that uh, Governor Ricketts will be at. And then Tuesday, we have our general session. Lieutenant Governor Foley will be speaking to us, uh, Director Goins from the Department of Economic Development, uh, economic development and agriculture go hand in hand in Nebraska and as it does in most uh, agricultural states. So I think it's important that we hear from uh, Director Goins and see what uh, let, let the others hear about what's going on here in Nebraska. Uh, after that, Ronnie Green, Chancellor of UNL, will speak along with Vice Chancellor Mike Bame. We have a topic uh, 30 by 30 will be addressed by Margaret Byfield and then. Um, that afternoon, we oh, we have a biotech uh, bi- panel also that morning. And then in the afternoon, we'll hit the road. We'll go up to Fremont. We uh, will tour LPP and also have a, a panel set up from the Engler program. So Tom Field will be bringing some of his uh, graduates from the Engler program, talking about what, uh, what they've created with their businesses. Then a formal dinner that night business meetings on Wednesday morning. Let's pivot a little bit and talk about some of the other activities happening with the Nebraska Department of Agriculture. One coming up soon, an opportunity for students to learn more about agriculture. That is NAYI. Back in person this year, that has to be exciting. It is exciting. So the Nebraska Agricultural Youth Institute, NAYI, we're in our 50th year, so we're celebrating our uh, golden anniversary of that (laughs) program. It's been a program that has grown over time. This year, again, we'll have over 200 high school juniors and seniors attending. Uh, that we're selected to attend, and so it's uh, held on the University of Nebraska East campus. It'll be July 12th through the 16th, and it's a great opportunity for anybody that's either in agriculture, you know, from an ag background, not from an agricultural background, but interested in agriculture and want to share that interest with other high school students. And of course, we we bring in we have sponsors for that program, and and they all have the the option to present to the students. So they get some face time with the students. So hopefully, uh, you know, anywhere from the commodity organizations to potential employers for these kids. And, and some. I think it's just an opportunity for them to network, get to know other kids. Uh, some of them will all end up at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Others will go someplace else. But in the end, we hope they all come back to Nebraska and contribute to Nebraska's economy and hopefully in, in agriculture. NDA Director Steve Wellman joining us. And I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network.
1: Good afternoon. As we take a look at the closing grain futures, John Payne joins us. He is senior marketing analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. I saw earlier today somebody posted on social media, John. Remember when limit down corn was only twenty-five cents?
9: <laughs> yeah, one of those days. One of those days where you know you think uh, what can't happen can, and this is just a good lesson for everybody to continue to remember, especially as the markets move. Like uh, like they are that uh, you know, it can do a lot of things. I think in the short run here we're well oversold. The markets are pricing in, in my opinion, you know more demand will come in on this. But in the near term, it's a uh, it's a market that's you know being pushed around by big money coming out uh, for whatever reason, FOMC reason, weather reason. I don't think you're going to see a huge break from here. So if you're starting to get into markets. Uh, probably not a decent place to be. Not a bad place to do. I don't think you rush and make sales here, though. I uh, I would be a, uh, I would be very careful right now. It just feels like the market could kind of give you the the, the head fake lower, especially in an overnight session, and be you know higher, or limit higher uh, in the case of, of some of these markets. Fundamentals have changed. Still need need ration supply, especially in the export markets.
1: As you look at that, are we putting too much weight on the fact that there's talk of possibility of some moisture moving in over the next couple of days after this warm up?
9: I don't think it has I mean it's hard for me to say and nobody knows and it really doesn't matter why but I, I don't think the sell-off here has much to do with weather I think it's all to do with money flow and you know you saw reversals in, in copper and you've seen it in lumber and you've seen it in bean oil and you know for whatever reason the markets are taking away all the gains taken, it took us eight weeks to rise from 52 to 65 68 in the, in the bean oil market and it took us three days to erase it all so it, I don't think anything has really changed I, I think you're going to see demand come in here it might take a couple of days to kind of chop around and get off the floor, but I don't think anything's changed. And now you got to look at reports coming out that, uh, you know, could be higher for acreage, certainly. But, uh, you know, we got crop progress reports are going to be supportive next week. I, I just don't think you chase it down here. In my opinion, if you're the end users, you got to be looking at booking it, trying to get out there in the deferred curve. I just don't think you're going to see the foreign markets really fall too much here. And then sure if- the wheat harvest will price it a low. So, short term. I think there's a panic sell going on, that's usually a good opportunity to buy. Uh, I would have said that yesterday as well, so be careful tomorrow, Friday, and then you got the end of the month reports coming up as well. So next two weeks are probably gonna be ugly, but um, I wouldn't be shocked come turn around, have mid-July, right back to where they were. All right. Sounds
1: good. Thanks so much, John. Joining us today has been John Payne. He's with Daniels Ag Marketing. You can learn more about them at DanielsAgMarketing.com. And always remember, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
0: And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. If you'd like to hear the midday program in its entirety, you can go to podcasts at krvn.com.